Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today we're discussing a couple of things. One is the directorial career of Ryan Coogler, and the other is his new movie, his fourth, the final film in phase four of the MCU, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Probably, is there a bigger movie this year, do you think? Well, I guess Avatar, the other movie with blue people. So we'll see how that showdown shakes up. Uh, but for today, we're talking about Coogler. I, I really, I think one of the the new young leading voices in Hollywood. I think he's one of the few young directors who seems to have figured out how to craft supreme blockbuster entertainment without being boring, without just relying too much on action. He's telling really great human stories, also pushing forward black-centered stories and influence in mainstream movies. I'm very curious to see where his cinematic career is going to go after this because he's done such a mix of projects he's always been you know started with Fruitvale and I'll talk about that in a second but and since then he's been straddling the line between franchise world while telling some smaller stories and it seems that he's heading more in the franchise direction which like he, hey he can do whatever he wants he makes great movies but uh, I, I'm very curious as to where he's going to go but in 2013, he starts out making Fruitvale Station. He had made a lot of short films after that, very acclaimed ones. Uh, but in 2013, makes his first feature. It tells the story of the last day in the life of Oscar Grant, a real man, 22-year-old, who was killed in 2009 by Bay Area Transit Police in Oakland. Kugler wrote and directed this one. I has a really interesting framing device. Starts with the real footage of Oscar Grant at that train station uh, being killed. And that's the clip that we would see on the news, right? Citizens would see on the news. It would be like, you know, however many, a few minute segment, and then we would move on. But the rest of this movie, it's so humanistic. It's this intimate look at the person that Oscar was. Again, it you know, and it's a fictional version, so it's not like it's a documentary about Oscar's life, but it's a fictional uh, version about what he was like, you know, inspired by his real person. And I like it's not demonizing him and it's not valorizing him. It, it just shows him as a man who's trying to piece together his fractured life, trying to make some choices that are going to lead to a better life for him and his family and how these tragedies happen. Kugler apparently initially didn't want to use the footage, um, but but decided to for the reasons that I described. Tyler, you've seen this one, right? What do you think of it? I, I thought this was a really good movie, really heartbreaking. Good's probably not the best way. It's well acted, but it's really tragic. But it, it, like you said, it just humanizes. Like, we see the story of this person getting killed, and that's kind of all you get of their life is that last moment. So this one gives you that look into their life. And Michael B. Jordan is phenomenal in this as Oscar Grant. Um, I think it's one of my favorite roles of him. I think he's a really good actor, but... This one, oh my god, he, it blew me away. But it's just such a heartbreaking watch, just knowing where it ends up. Obviously, they they show it in the beginning, so it's not like you don't know. But it's just, it, it, especially with how much you see this every day, um, you know, police brutality and such. It's such a common thing nowadays that just to get a look into like what led up to it is just really kind of tragic. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I love the framing device is that on the news, it's almost, it's presented as this fleeting thing. 
And, you know, but here we get we get the the impact of it. And like you said, Michael B. Jordan, he was Coogler's choice even before he wrote the movie, apparently. He's really great. Every emotion he plays is at like 110%. There's joy, there's rage, there's depression, there's charm. Octavia Spencer, as always, fantastic as Wanda, who is Oscar's mother. They have a really great scene together when Oscar is in lockup and they're talking about their relationship and kind of like how much she has to give and when she has to let go as his mother. Really like that one. Uh, apparently, Octavia Spencer gave up her salary to keep this movie in budget. Um, I just like one of one of my best loves in Hollywood is her. I think this movie is is very, very good. It's great. I don't particularly like watching it, though. I don't, do you guys know what I'm saying? And I don't even... That's what I meant when I said it's good, but, like, I don't like saying it's good. Like, that's not a good description yeah. of it. And, like, I don't... It's partly the subject ma- matter. Obviously, it's incredibly devastating. Um, but I don't know. Just some movies, I'm like, yeah, this is really great. I just... I'm never going to fire this up. You know what I mean? Unless I'm really trying to look at it with a critical eye. Um but it's still very good. It was shot in Oakland in 20 days. And Kugler has really, um, you know, kept to his hometown throughout the years in his movies. I really respect that. This won the Grand Jury Prize and the Audience Award for U.S. Dramatic Film at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival. It won Best for a Film at Cannes. And the woman who plays Oscar's daughter's teacher is Oscar Grant's real mother. So very, very cool little cameo in there. 2015... Creed. This is a continuation. I I don't even know what the right word would be. Continuation, sequel, revamp, spinoff. I I don't know what it is, but it's a continuation of the Rocky franchise in which the long-lost son, illegitimate son of Apollo Creed, tracks down Rocky Balboa and trains with him to find his place in the boxing world and really to build up his life. Uh, Neither of you have seen this, right? I have not. Unfortunately not. That is disappointing. This one is, I think this one's really great. I think it's my favorite of his. So in 2013, Cooler was hired by MGM to make a Rocky spinoff. He wrote this script with Aaron Covington. Like I said, I like, I debate between this and Black Panther, but I think this, I think this one's just like a little bit more my speed. We'll get to Black Panther in a minute. It's such a hard thing to pull off. One, making the seventh movie in an iconic but really tired franchise that feels like it's in the world of the franchise, but it has its own story, its own characters. It uses the existing history without just reheating what we've already seen, without sounding like an idiot that you've probably heard online a million times already. Part of my issue with a lot of these requel things is that they just like will show you what happened in the past and there's a finger point of like, you you remember that? You remember that? Isn't that cool? And you're like, yeah, I could just watch the first movie. I don't need to do that. I think this one totally avoids that and it has its own thing. Um, You could convince me that there are like one too many parallels between this one and the original Rocky. doesn't really bother me. In fact, I think it's kind of a strength of the movie is that it's this timeless theme, Adonis Creed, played by Michael B. Jordan. He's already, you know, an illegitimate son. I don't like that term, but that's the term they use. He's been through juvenile detention, foster homes. He's just trying to find his place in life, and boxing is the bedrock of that, and that is exactly Rocky's story. I mean, some of the details will change, but, like, that that is Rocky's whole essence. Kugler and his team pull off a lot of cool moves here, like the Mexican boxing ring, 
And then there's like, so he's fighting in this underground fight club. And then there's a hard cut to him at an office wearing like regular business clothes. And it's so jarring. And you're like, whoa, what's going on here? There's him shadow boxing, mirroring Rocky's moves over the old footage of Rocky and Apollo boxing. I like the stats that appear when we meet the new boxers. The fake documentary stuff is really authentic. Sometimes when movies do that, it just seems really dumb. I like it here. Also, they have part of the interruption in here. Kornheiser and Wilbon make cameos in this, and they're like so natural. It's like you're watching a real episode of PTI. I love it. <laughs> I know we talked about Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya being the, or they want to be the next Scorsese De Niro pair. Mm-hmm. But what about know. but what about Coogler and Michael B. Jordan? Um, can I hold that point until later in the episode? I think you know why. I mean, he's been in almost every movie of his. Yes, you raise a great point, and I'm just going to hold it, and then I'm going to come back to it. Uh, he, he is really excellent in this. Tessa Thompson uh, is a really good character, too. She has her own interesting story. I like. I go back and forth on this. It, it might be because Tessa Thompson is such a good performer. There are certain points in the movie where she just kind of feels like Adrian 2.0. Like, she gets more than Adrian. I don't... I don't know. I I, I could debate her character maybe on a different day. Um, I, this, this movie and the whole franchise, and we'll be getting Creed 3 next year, really complicated dive into masculinity and its many consequences. I don't think we'll discuss that today, but I, I was thinking of that a lot watching this movie. Stallone's really fantastic. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar. He's one of the only actors to be nominated twice for the same role. It felt, you know, Stallone has had such a hold on the Rocky franchise for so long you know, and like I get it. That was his baby. That was what made him. But this movie, to me, feels like him finally letting the reins go a little bit, right? Of a franchise he held so tight to his chest. And he's just really charming when he's reading the newspaper to Polly and Andrea's graves. Um, Andrea, Adrian, excuse me. <laughs> there is one scene I was... Not- so there is... There is a, a... Not really a sex scene, but like a start of a sex scene between Jordan and Thompson and then it ends <laughs> with like a turtle watching them do it and then it's like a hard cut out and I'm like what the hell I thought the weirdest scene of this movie was when Stallone turned to the camera and said we need to stop the producer of the Rocky films yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> listen let's maybe we could have a discussion on that with Creed 3 um, but we get a voyeur turtle, and, and that's really cool. Three years later, we get Black Panther. Coogler wrote this with Joe Robert Cold, based on characters of Stanley and Jack Kirby. And this was after Chadwick Boseman had appeared in Civil War. This tells the story of T'Challa, who became, becomes the king of Wakanda, an African nation with an all-powerful mineral that makes them a supremely advanced society. 
I find that this has a really interesting history. Wesley Snipes had played, had planned to make one all the way back in the 90s. I think he would would have been such a great Black Panther. I would love to rewrite history and see that. Apparently, Mario Van Peebles was attached to this. John Singleton was attached to this. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's too bad. But I will say what we got was was quite fantastic. Uh, Matt, what do, you, what do you think about Black Panther, the first one? The acting was good. The story was compelling. It's just a lot of fun. The action is good. I pretty much liked everything about it. Tyler, what do you think? I think this was back when, at a time when like the MCU felt like a big event. Every movie felt like a, an event. Now it just feels like a chore because we just hit over the head with so much from the MCU. And like this was just one of the, the top events of this series like this was the highest of the highs one of um and i just thought it was phenomenal i think i saw this three times in theaters i really love this movie chadwick boseman was incredible as this character i'm so sad he didn't get a chance to finish it but learning after the fact that he played this character while going through such a horrible health like battle is incredible like my respect for him is insanely immense um and he gave such a iconic performance that I I get the recasting, the people that wanted to recast the role, but it was just, he was that role. Like, I couldn't picture someone else in that role. So, I do understand both sides, but it, it would have been odd to see him different, a different character, a different actor play that character. Um, but just everything, Michael B. Jordan was good in his role, um... Daniel Kaluuya in it briefly, just just incredible actors. Such a great cast for this movie, and it was just such an like such a fun movie. I, I loved it. Yeah, and just the cultural impact was really incredible. I I'm not one as much as I'm obsessed with the Oscars and award shows and stuff. I'm not one to say oh because this won an award that's a it's a good movie. But I'm gonna give you guys some accolades. Uh, And one special shout out. So this was nominated for seven Oscars, right, including Best Picture. It won three. It won Best Production Design for Hannah Beachler and Jay Hart. Best Original Score for Ludwig Goransson. The the music is so vibrant. It's got such energy in this. And Cougar has been working with Goransson all the way back since the very beginning. And then a very, very special shout out. Oscar winner for Best Costume Design, Ruth E. Carter, a Springfield Mass native. Oh, hell yeah. Huh. Frequent collaborator of my favorite Spike Lee makes all his characters look incredible. Did costumes for Love and Basketball, Amistad, Selma, worked with Lee Daniels, a bunch of other people, is reported to be doing them for the upcoming Blade movie. I like, we love you, Ruthie Carter. Thank you for all you've given us. This was the first superhero movie nominated for Best Picture, became the highest grossing film by a black director. And, you know, like you guys said, Chaswick Bozeman, so, so regal, but so human as T'Challa. Uh, he, he was just astounding. Michael B. Jordan, same thing. He, he brought that, he, bring, he always brings this intense energy when he's with Coogler, right? You, even sometimes when he was Oscar Grant, there was this, uh, you know, incredible, sometimes making threats to his employer. There's a, a very aggressive energy, and he really brings it, and he knows how to harness it for the right thing. I think he's good in this. Denai Guerrero, Lupita Nyong'o, Letitia Wright, they're all awesome. And this, I think this was the first time we saw Winston Duke 
I think this was his first movie. What an incredible really? first movie. And was yeah, it really? What a great role. Yeah, I think it was. And also Forrest Whitaker, which was really cool because I didn't mention this during Fruitvale, but he's one of the people way back at the beginning of Kugler's career who supported him. And it's great to see them come together for this real, real triumph you know, of this kind of cinematic history. It's really great. A lot of impressive things about this movie. I think the biggest is that there is a complete unity of elements. What I mean by that is everything works together to create this cinematic momentum. There's this feeling when you're watching a movie and you go, this is working. And then the next thing you go, this is still working. It's building, it's building, it's building, it's building. And then in the end, you're like, oh, wow, they didn't skip a beat. Right? I'm not saying this is a perfect movie. You can't pick it apart or anything. But you're like, wow, they, just, they really didn't drop the ball. And I, I think that's a pretty rare thing in movies. Kugler, again, was able to tie in his hometown, Oakland, for this question of Wakanda's foreign relations policies and all that kind of stuff. I find that very interesting. Killmong- Killmonger and T'Challa, the narrative of the movie... So, you know, they're two opposing ideas about how to rule a nation and how to relate to the outside world. And it's this big question. And I like that the narrative of the movie seems like it answers that question between, you know, with the battle between them. But I think the movie itself leaves the questions open, right? The, the answers are not so definitive. And, and I respect the movie for that. You know, Kugler has, he's produced Judas and the Black Messiah, Space Jam 2, Creed 3 he's going to produce. His production company, Proximity Media, has a deal with Disney. They'll be producing the Ironheart show, a series set in Wakanda. I don't know what that's about yet. But like I was saying before, very interested in where this guy's career is going. Because um, he, you know, he is this mix of big blockbuster entertainment and these smaller stories that I really respect that. I, you know, just kind of selfishly, I'm hoping he doesn't get too sucked into the franchise world, but, you know, whatever he wants to do is fine with you, me. So you and Tarantino ahead. both. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I gotta agree with that, because especially after what happened with Taika Waititi. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think Taika's gonna have great stuff in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I didn't think Love and Thunder was that bad anyway, but it definitely kind of, it wasn't as good either. Yeah. And it's that, I'm not saying that blockbuster and franchise entertainment is inherently bad. Um, I think a lot of it's bad, but it, you know, that's not in the nature of franchises. I just, you know, I just, I hate to, to lose a filmmaker of this caliber, um, but that, that's just me being selfish. So we're going to move now his fourth movie is a sequel to his previous movie. This is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So this is in the aftermath of T'Challa's death. Princess Shuri, Queen Ramonda, and the rest of Wakanda must recover while dealing with a threat from the rest of the world and from a powerful previously unknown civilization. Kugler again wrote this with Joe Robert Cole. Apparently it was a very difficult writing journey, of course. Um, They had some things set up before Chadwick Boseman passed away, and so they had kind of had to redo the story. And I, I will say, I think they did an impressive job, but Matt, I want your thoughts first. What what were your thoughts about Wakanda Forever? I do think they did a pretty impressive job considering what they were up against uh, as far as the creative process. I think they dealt with Chadwick Boseman's absence as well as they possibly could have, and in a 
pretty touching way. The movie itself, I wouldn't say it's as strong as the first Black Panther. But I thought it was solid for the most part. It did run a little long, like a lot of movies have been doing in the last year or so. But that, to me, that doesn't really take away from the fact that we had a an excellent cast. Even without Chadwick Boseman, we had Letitia Wright, we had um, Tenek Huerta as Namor. I thought he was fantastic. All the returning Wakandans, Denai Guerrero, um, Angela Bassett, they were all just... They they brought it, and I, I really think, like, they even... Re, uh, I forgot the name of the girl that played Riri Williams. Um, she was fine. Like, everyone was solid to excellent, and I think it was a solid sequel, but not quite as captivating as the first one. That is Dominique Thorne. Dominique Thorne. Yeah. And the story was cool. I liked the story for the most part, but again, it did kind of feel like a bit of a marathon by the end but overall i it's still pretty solid i liked it for the most part tyler what do you think i think this was the best film of the phase four of mcu and i don't say that as praise for this movie i say that as an indictment of phase four of the mcu (laughs) (laughs) this movie was all right it was better than i was expecting but it was a slog. Oh my god, you felt this runtime of almost three hours. I really could not care too much about Letitia Wright's character. And uh, I won't spoil it, but her her arc just didn't really gel with me. I thought everyone was fine in this. Uh, Dominique Thorne's performance I thought was so out of place. And I don't fault her for that. I think her character was just strangely written. Like, she just did not feel like she belonged in this movie. And her suit looked awful. I hated the suit they gave her. Oh my god, it looked terrible. But just all in all, this movie was alright. I I don't really have much to say about it. It was not... that. Like, it never reached the heights of the original Black Panther. And I think that was kind of its undoing. I don't think it's their fault. Because of, you know, everything Chadwick Boseman passing, they had to rewrite the whole film. And they did a decent job. I will say, the Marvel opening credits of just being Chadwick Boseman when it did the Marvel thing, that got me. That was really touching. But, like, outside of that, I just felt like this movie lingered in his shadow too much. Like, they just kept coming back to him. And I get you kind of have to, but I felt like it dragged a bit. I, yeah, I'm gonna... I'm going to probably be in the middle of you guys. I have very mixed feelings about this. I think the story has a lot of great dramatic elements, it, but it doesn't fully develop any of them. The strongest point for me was the relationship between Wakanda and Talakan. I really like that conflict. Two nations with a common enemy, right? This kind of white Western world. They have just enough shared interests and just enough conflict to either be allies <coughs> excuse me, or enemies. Right, it has stuff about what a family and a nation does when they find themselves in a circumstance they never expected to be in. And we get this this relearning of history, right? The Wakandans have to learn that they aren't the only ones with vibranium. There's another advanced civilization out there. But this movie, you know, I can critically compliment it all I want. It just doesn't feel like it works. It's not terrible. 
But Tyler, like you said, it just doesn't have that energy, that unity of elements that the first one does. And I think part of that is just there wasn't as much novelty this first time because the first time we were heading into Wakanda for the first time, we were meeting the characters for the first time. But it's just this one... I feel like we didn't even feel like we were in Wakanda. And that's like a, a silly thing for me to say because it's a fictional place that I watch on a screen. Can I? And, but it, yeah, can please I do. just comment on that? I do want to agree. I, I meant to bring that up, but I forgot. So Wakanda was so vibrant in the original one. Like it felt like this uncolonized African nation where like African roots took hold. And at the beginning, it was, and then it just felt like every other country because, like, they just they got rid of the aesthetic and people were just wearing like modern day clothes. It looked bizarre. Like, it did not feel like Wakanda. At least the Wakanda they set up in the first film. Yeah, agreed. I I will compliment the film on this. It doesn't feel like a reheated retread of the first one. It doesn't. But the new story that they're telling, it doesn't entirely work. And I think it could have. This is definitely a case of good story, but the film is not the best version of this story. It's very dull in parts. It definitely drags. It's nearly three hours long, and I think there's no reason for that. A lot of the individual performances and writing parts are good, but it, it just lacks that energy. I I really can't say that I liked it very much. You know, I, I kind of had to look at it with the critical eye to go, okay, I like this and this, but like, Sitting there for nearly three hours while a person behind me was kicking my chair, I'm like, I, like I just don't like a, this. Always got to be one, one person like that. No, there doesn't have to be. There doesn't have to be any. There has. There doesn't have to be any bad behavior in a movie theater. None ever. Excuse me. At least there wasn't and a baby you, kicking the back of your chair. No, because a baby's foot weighs one ounce. <laughs> You get you got a boot in the head. Let's do forget. I did, I did get kicked in the head. <laughs> like what? What are these people? I, and I moved, and then you guys were offended that I moved. Uh, I was wondering why. I didn't realize they were kicking confused. you. I thought the kick to my head was isolated. <laughs> no, took like twenty kicks, and then I looked to the side, and I'm like, "Well, those seats are open, so I went over there." I, I was just confused. No, I. No, I mean, not, I didn't see people it. making out in front of us, so I figured that that that's <laughs> your other trigger. So I was looking for Matt, that. Matt and Tyler know that I will move in a theater if I'm not happy with the people around me. Which, ugh, ugh, I'm I'm gonna move on because I'm just gonna get annoyed. Uh, I did I did really like the tribute to Chadwick Boseman to Chitala. I thought it was very very classy. It. It had a hold on his legacy and all the feelings that were left behind. Really liked that. And I, I did, I liked the direction that they brought these characters in, right? Letitia Wright as Shuri, she is, you know, she's finding herself in a position that she never thought that she would be in. And having to make all these different decisions with this new threat of Talacon, I, I thought she did a very nice job. Tenacuerta as Namor thought he was really great. Like I said before, I thought everything with Talacan was the best stuff in the movie. My only disappointment with that, well, I have two, but my one is that they didn't play Blue by Eiffel 65. <laughs> and these people were all Blue, Naba Di Naba Die. And like, you're not going to play that song? They're, they're saving that for Avatar 2. 
Uh, oh my god! If that happens, I really will flip out in the theater and scream and cheer. I and you know what I did. My other like kind of real disappointment with Talacon is that I found like the city itself of Talacon a bit underwhelming as far as like visuals and production design. Maybe I'm just spoiled because I see all these kinds of like big visual effects stuff all the time. I was just like, I don't know. I want a little bit more out of this. It was definitely good. It was very good. Not as much as I wanted. They ran out of money paying minimum wage to these animators. <laughs> these CGI workers. Sorry. Well, not every movie can have Cyrano-level production design, okay? So... No, not many. I, I would never, ever judge a movie against Cyrano because it just wouldn't be fair. <laughs> Keep waiting for Cyrano to stream somewhere. Sorry for everyone who's tuning in to listen to Black Panther and you have to hear me go off against Cyrano again. I think everyone's here to listen, talk about Cyrano. To be honest. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> um, the, I feel like one of the problems with this movie is that it just... It felt like they chopped it up so much and like some bits were left in that just like, for instance, Michaela Cole is in this and she's a wonderful performer, but she seems like this new character. She's got these new cool weapons, but it just seems like a cameo instead of an actual part. And I, it felt like a couple of things happened with that in the movie. It's just, There was just like too much going on. Another kind of symptom of that was Martin Freeman's storyline oh, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Terrible. I, please, Tyler, go off on it. It was so like, I. anytime the movie picked up any steam, they're like, oh, you want to know about Martin Freeman's marital troubles with Julia Louis-Dreyfus? And it just cut in, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't care. Like, these are not compelling characters. We're not here for this, and you're spending too much time on this. We, we know why she had to be there, and then he was from the last movie, so it makes sense for to put him there. Guys, let's face it. This storyline in a nearly three-hour movie is the reason that Bob Iger is coming back as Disney CEO. <laughs> I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't understand most of Martin Freeman's, like, storyline in that the CIA just found a vibranium detector from a random student. I didn't really understand that. <laughs> that didn't... To your point earlier, Tyler... I just thought that the whole Riri Williams thing was just a way to shoehorn in Ironheart. Yeah. I like yeah, it, it was just I understand that like she is an American student and so she would be out of place with all the superhero action stuff going on in Wakanda, but it she just fell out of place in the movie. Her performance wasn't bad, but it, it just it it was out of place and that whole storyline was just, it just felt like they were setting up the show. Yeah, 100%. But, like, I didn't, like, the FBI raided her warehouse. I'm like, what? Why? What is going on? The CIA is using her technology. The FBI is raiding her warehouse. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was also that kind of way to, you know, because I feel like without that, without um, Namor wanting her dead there wouldn't have been much reason for Wakanda and Talakan to not team up. Which is why I'm wondering, like, the CIA didn't, like, couldn't, like, reverse manufacture this machine. They're just like, ah, this is the only one. We're just gonna have to get this girl to make one, even though she doesn't know we took this one. 
Yeah, it it was not fantastic. I'll tell you who I did think was fantastic. Denai Guerrero as a Koye. I think her fight on the bridge with the blue guy. Let me just say, love the blue people. Really? The blue people were my favorite part the of this. The discount yeah. Navi. The discount Navi. Nah, the it's the other way around. The Navi are the discount. No, they're they're, well, they're much better movie. on there. They're far far superior. I, I cannot. Okay, I lame blue people. I, in case it isn't clear, I have I have very little favor for the Avatar movies. So do I, but I still think the Navi were much better than these guys. Either way, I thought that bridge fight, that was the best. That was my absolute favorite part of the movie. I also thought Lupita Nyong'o did really well in this movie for them, not really giving her all that much to do. Like, she had some key scenes, but I, I just felt her character did not have as strong a role as she did in the first one. But I thought, like, from the very get-go, I was, like, buying what she was selling. Hundred percent. I'm surprised I actually didn't mention her sooner because you could put her in almost any movie and I'd watch it. I mean, I did watch the three five five this year. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Lest we forget, we need to mention that Lupita Nyong'o graduated from Hampshire College. Represent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. But what was I going to say? Oh, I, I have something to bring up on the bridge fight when we get into spoilers. Uh, let's just drop it now. We're not going to talk about the very end now, but spoiler, we'll talk about some plot details. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled, come back because we're going to talk about it right now. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. All right, Tyler, what do you have to say? So on the bridge fight, it does the stupid thing that a bunch of movies do, where it's like, oh my God, these guys are invulnerable. We can't defeat them. And then that just just stops being true. They can like kill them off no problem after that. Like, (laughs) why did you set them up to be this strong? And then like, it doesn't come into play at all later. They're able to kill them no problem later. I will say when, who was it? Was that Lake Bell? who was like the woman I think so yes looking for vibranium when they were in the water and the first one like jumps up on the ship I thought that was pretty effective mm-hmm. I'm like oh this is pretty cool so uh, I think it just made to make them seem dangerous in the beginning and they're like oh well we have to have Wakanda win this so no but like it was in that fight too like she stabs three of them and then they all get up and she's like I stabbed three of them they should be dead and then that's like (laughs) ah no worries we'll kill them with like a a gun that like makes a sonic boom or something I don't I mean they didn't have to have Wakanda win this technically I mean Infinity War Thanos won like, you could set it up where, like, Wakanda's in a tough spot and then have another movie off of it. I don't what know. would be the sequel name to Wakanda Forever? That's my... I feel like films <laughs> are using Forever too too soon. It's just Wakanda Forever with a, with a question mark. To, yeah. it, could be, it could be T'Challa Returns. Somehow it T'Challa could. Returned. Like Spoilers for the very for end. It's not the fourth <laughs> film. This so this what I was gonna say is like these blue people, they have their ability to breathe right on their face. You could just shoot that thing and then they're dead. They can't breathe. They have to have the water and like the weird like jock strap on their face. 
So yeah. <laughs> you can just easily take them out with that. Do you think they just ever accidentally swallow it and then they suffocate? <laughs> like, oh, I'm kind of thirsty. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like, if they're just, like, stargazing, they would be leaning back, their mouth would be open, and they would drink the water. I have another question. Why is CNN the only news outlet in the entire world in this movie? Why is Anderson Cooper the only person who delivers news ever in the world? <laughs> so, <laughs> completely unrelated, but Jake Tapper was in a crappy Liam Neeson movie that I watched, and it threw me off so much. I was like, why'd you get Jake Tapper for this? Why are we just shoehorning real news people into these movies? <laughs> Well, that's like when uh, Gary Tangway showed up in <laughs> Knives Out. We were all like, what Most is going on? Cameo. Definitely Tony and Mike from PTI. They're the kings. So so who's getting a cameo in Glass Onion then? Mm. It's going to be Brian Scalabrine. <laughs> yeah, like Wolf Blitzer in Glass <laughs> Onion. <laughs> You know, also, just randomly, I'm going to bring this up. The blue the blue people, the Talokans plan to, like, fight the, the world. What happens when they're going to, like, the desert? <laughs> I think I think that the country has a large, a very decisive uh, advantage in that fight. Don't you understand that they have water over their mouths, man? <laughs> Get with the program. Is that enough to keep them hydrated, even though the sun apparently yes. dries them out? <laughs> The answer is don't think about it too much. Listen, though, I, I don't know. I can't even come up with anything at the moment. That's a great question. Uh, so we we get the discovery of vibranium. I did like that, that, that we discover that it was like right on the line of this is a ridiculous plot contrivance, but I did like it of like, oh, we're not the only country with vibranium. You know, I I thought that was a good discovery. And then we have uh, Namor threatening Wakanda if they don't surrender Riri Williams. Um, and he commits, he delivers on that promise. And then we get the the unfortunate death of Queen Ramonda. I thought Angela Bassett was incredible, as she always is. I don't know if I had a super strong emotional connection to this scene. Uh, did you guys? Not at all. It was sad. I I wouldn't I wasn't bawling or nothing, but it was I sad. Like this was one of those movie deaths where they're like, "Isn't that sad?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess," because you know you're at, you're like telling me it is, but like I'm not sad. Like yeah. it just didn't phase me that much. It didn't, and I feel like I was thinking about this. It's like for how big the first movie seems, some of these characters we just haven't spent that much time with. You know what I mean? And I just felt like there were a few of them that I didn't know that well, even though this movie is, again, nearly three hours long. So that that was sad. I just it just didn't hit me in the in the same way. But I'll ask you guys this. Were you surprised when Shuri goes to become Black Panther and she sees Killmonger instead of T'Challa? I was. I thought that was interesting. An interesting choice. Um, I I feel like it wasn't really set up that well to happen. It was like, but like I think I was surprised more so because like 
they didn't give any sort of indication that she might ha have this piece of this like piece to her until they show that scene if that yeah, makes sense i agree with you i thought it kind of felt hollow when like these characters didn't even interact in the first movie yeah like if they had set it up better it would have been fine it just came way out of left field for me and i just motioned to my right if you didn't notice that <laughs> came way out of left on, field on the on this auditory podcast <laughs> i met yeah. you guys <laughs> uh so um like i don't think it had that much effect but i was begging i was like in my head like please let her go through with this vengeance thing but i knew as soon as they brought it up she's gonna be like i'm gonna be a i'm gonna give mercy and i'm like no we've seen you the, these characters give mercy so much i just want to see one character go through with it and i was michael b jordan was stars in a movie called just mercy get with the program <laughs> well the, pro the problem is if she hadn't then they would have killed off namor fine and I, that fine <laughs> And, there's too many characters you can kill yeah, them off the, freely yeah, but people, I don't com care. people complain that marvel kills off all the good villains this would have been he wasn't another that good i didn't really have that much attachment he, no no oh, nothing I, against tanaka I, I thought he was good in the role i just didn't care about his character i liked him i i liked when he was explaining the backstory of talakan i thought that was pretty well done i i enjoyed that so i i would have you know, I, I'd like to see more of him. My, I, I have, again, mixed to kind of a big problem with this final act. I, If you want to justify Shuri seeing Killmonger as like, okay, her mother just died unnecessarily from an attack that never really had to happen, right? An attack that happened because Shuri refused to, to kill an innocent person. So like, okay, if she wants to get revenge and there's a revenge inside her, cool, I understand that. And, you know, Matt, this was what I was talking about before. Now we confirm that Michael B. Jordan has been in every one of Coogler's movies. So this this could be an excellent pairing. It's been very good so far. You know, this was kind of more like a cameo, but that was fine. He was good. My issue is the final battle. And there's been a lot said about final battle problems in Marvel. And I, I think it, it is a big problem because this one especially... They wanted to have it both ways. They wanted a story about peace and mercy and not choosing to be violent. But they also needed a big final fight where a bunch of people are punching each other. And, you know, those things just didn't really seem to coexist. Right? It was fine. But again, it's my... And maybe I'm stupid for having an issue with this in this genre. But it always has to be about beating people up. It always has to be there. Right? And I understand it's superhero, but it's like the final conflict always has to come to violence before somebody realizes, oh, this isn't the best way. And then, you know, they resolve it somehow else. It, this one really just felt to me a bit contrived of like, okay, well, you know, we need this, this big ship thing and the blue people are going to be beating up the Wakandans. But we also need Shuri to learn that violence is not the way. How can we, we have both? Which is the lamest thing, you know, when you have this person who, like, you k killed your mother in front, which she says, she drowned her in front of me. No, you didn't. You didn't come in until after she was drowned. So, it wasn't in front of you, first of all. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> That's <laughs> reaching, okay? That is such no, a reach. I was like, I, I literally went, he, went in the theater, and she's like, <laughs> she dr he say. drowned her right in front of me. I'm like, no, she didn't. 
No, he didn't, because you weren't All even right. in the room when it happened. All right. So <laughs> if you he... were in the Wakandan court and she was like, <laughs> she said, he drowned my mother in front of me, you would have been like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. I don't think you were there. <laughs> she was drowned before you got there, actually. <laughs> I saw you. You were sending a text while she was drowning, and then you turned around. Wow, what a criticism! I, anyway, I'm proud of you. What I was gonna say is, when you have, when you, when you, when you're fighting someone who murdered your mother, and like you're, you're full of vengeance, you're impaled through the gut with a spear. You're like, ah, you know what? I just saw a, a, a vision, so you know what? Let's let's make an alliance. <laughs> so felt so cheap. It was just too quick. It was. Yeah. It was way oh. too quick. Like she put him in a microwave. She turned the ship into a microwave to, like, try to kill him. And then was just like, ah, let's go. Peace up, homie. She <laughs> literally turned him into, like, the little old crisp of a lady in the chocolate episode of Spongebob. And then she's like, ah, no, 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 no. Let me not go all the way. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> You're fine. My, my question is, when he got his wing ripped off of his ankle, do those grow back? Or is he permanently grounded? Oh, that's a good point. Well, that brings me... So, during this three-hour movie, my idea was that he has little wings on his feet, right? Why don't they just lure him towards the sun, and then he'll be Icarus 2.0, and then he'll just fall, and that'll be that. That just seems like the perfect plan. Well, you know what was dumb about this is the da- dumb Iron Man suits that they gave, like the Dora. Those were bad. Those I was just terrible. about to mention that. Like, what a dumb plot device. Let's turn our fierce fighters into Iron Man. Like, what? And the the Ironheart suit looked like garbage. It was so <laughs> badly CGI. It looked like a crappy Power Rangers suit. Like, the worst Power Rangers suit imaginable. How? How, Marvel? How are you letting that happen? I will not take this Power Rangers slander, especially (laughs) after the tragic passing of Jason David Frank, okay? I I said it's bad for Power Rangers. It doesn't even reach the heights of Power Rangers. That's better. It just just didn't even fit in with the visual style. It stood out so much. It was terrible. But... Also, the water grenades were the dumbest thing. Ah, it just sends water. What? (laughs) It's a boat. You're just sending water at a boat. (laughs) It's not how water... But it's strong water. It's strong. Listen, water is the most powerful force in the world. Come on, man. I was hoping for a scene of, like, Namor, like, flopping on the beach like a fish, and they had to, like, put him in the water. (laughs) Hey, let me get you back in the water. It's like that episode of Spongebob where he's in Sandy's dome and he's like, try it out. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> I stopped laughing. In I, I stopped myself from laughing in the theater, but I wanted to when he, when he first introduces himself to Queen Ramon. How do you say it? I'm sorry. Ramonda. Ramonda. He's like, my name is Namor. And she's like, Namor, is it going to attack us? <laughs> he just said his name. How are you already mispronouncing it? <laughs> well, you didn't know how to say her name. That's fair. I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't also just get introduced. <laughs> You're reaching, man. It was, the, no, it was just hilarious because it was like, he's literally like, my name is Namor. And she's like, well, Namor. <laughs> well, you know, well, 
One, I've heard so many people do that in real life just throughout my life. Two, what I usually do when somebody is introducing themselves to me, I'm so self-conscious about like shaking their hand, the right grip, and like looking them in the eye that I just don't listen to their name whatsoever. And then two seconds later, I go, oh man, what is their name? And I have to be like, I'd be like, oh, could you tell me the story of how you got your name? <laughs> Something a, like that. Interesting. I just like, can I see your driver's license? Yeah. <laughs> what What's your mom call you? Got a nickname? Yeah. What's your social security number? And somehow they'll tell me the whole story without their name coming up once. And I'll go, ah, guess I can't be friends with this person. <laughs> Or what you could do is just give people a nickname of your own, and then you never have to call them by their real name. Like Milo. <laughs> stop, stop. How I'm going to call you Milo how does, now. That was Morbius. <laughs> keep coming up. Perfect example, though. That's a great callback. All right, post-credit scene, we get Shuri. She has just learned the lesson of mercy. She is remembering her brother, and then we have the introduction of T'Challa Jr. How did you guys feel about that? I thought I thought it was fine. I I like I like that they tried to kind of satisfy both sides of it without necessarily recasting the T'Challa we all knew, but also continuing the legacy of the character. I, Tyler, I thought feel? it was kind of goofy just because of this part where he's like, that's not my real name, though. My real name is T'Challa. And I'm like, why do you have two names? Why, why do you have a fake well, name? Well, it happens. It happens. You know, different. Why does he need a French name? I don't understand. He doesn't. Because he's in Haiti. Well, he was raised in Haiti, right? Yeah. Okay, but still, like, you could still name him T'Challa. The name still exists in Haiti. They're not going to be like, what? That's mean. That's not a name. Uh, I, You know, I like this development. I, I did have some questions about how they kept him hidden and, like, meeting Queen Ramonda and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, it's, it was fine. I was fine with it. Seems I was a little too convenient. Moved. A little too convenient. Tyler, do I need to explain how one gets a child? I don't know if it was convenient. It just happens. No, no. Did I mean, we need like, to see the? Exists did we need in, to in see the, where the conception happened? Like no, in secrecy. The fact that he exists was a little too convenient. I don't disagree, especially like coming in at the very end like that. It, it, it yeah, was it wasn't the best. Well, but... they they set up that there was some kind of secret earlier in the movie. Yeah, it's just when it happened, when it dropped, I was like. Oh, this is this is nice. Very good performer, the kid. Hopefully, hopefully get to see him again. I I do want to ask you guys. I we're done with phase four, so I do want to run quickly through the films and see what your guys' overall impression is. Tyler, I'm hold it back for a second. I'll give it a second. So here's what we got in phase four for movies. Obviously, a bunch of TV shows, but for movies. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and now Black Panther. What would you guys say is the best here? Actually, are we all in agreement that Spider-Man was the best? 
percent. That's fair. I forgot about I, Spider-Man was still in this phase. What would you say is next? Probably Black I would Panther. S- either this one or Shang-Chi. I think I like Shang-Chi's slight... I was definitely more entertained by Shang-Chi. Yeah. And then, well... my The weird thing about this is that if we just look at 2022 in in the MCU, we got three films with three... I, you know, I don't, beloved characters, I will say. I think, it, you know, your mileage may vary depending on the character. But three established characters, Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther. But, and, and I should say, made by like three astounding filmmakers. Yo. Sam Raimi, Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. and Ryan Coogler. And I wouldn't say either of them were universal, none of them were universal successes. All of them have like big issues I don't, I don't know. It just it felt like it could have been such a knockout year, and I think with every single one of them, I was like, well, I like this thing and this thing, but like the movie overall just doesn't really work for me. Um, so I I don't know. It's just it's just kind of strange. I don't I don't know if Marvel will return, and I don't know if it needs to return to its old form. But like Tyler, like you were saying, we're like. Everything feels like an event, right? When when we talk about phases one through three, it did, you know, as it came along, it did feel like there was a unity to the whole thing. And I do like the separate stories approach, but it just, I don't know. It, something feels different about it. Am I just like mumbling nonsense here? Or? No, I 100% agree. I guess everything felt like it was leading somewhere. And I get the, the separate stories approach, but, like, they're not interesting enough stories on their own. Right. And it just feels so disjointed. I'll say I think a lot of them are interesting enough on their own, but they're not super well executed. Mm-hmm. And, I th- like, in this movie, the uh, post credit scene, not the mid credit scene, which we should just talk about, the post credit scene where Harry Styles appeared and he's like, hey, I'm still in here, remember? I hope you didn't see Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> No, he's he's playing his "Don't worry, darling." Wait, was he? Did he come back? Was there a post credit no, scene? I, 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 was, oh. I was I was making a making a goof. Oh, you're such a cut up. Here's what we're getting in Phase Five. So, Ant Man, uh, Quantumania. We're gonna get that in February, I think. Matt, is that correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and then Guardians Three. I love the Guardians franchise. The Marvels. I think that will be. That one, I'd be very interested to see how that one comes out. Captain America, New World Order, The Thunderbolts, and Blade, which I, I think would be really cool. Um, I, an interesting slate. We'll see how it is. I'm frankly glad to be taking a break from Marvel Cinema until February. Um, but any final thoughts on the MCU or on Black Panther Wakanda forever? On the MCU? Ah, I missed the <laughs> Try to take two. I don't think it's. I don't think we need it. I don't think we need that. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I just. I just ran out of breath on that. (laughs) I'm staying patient with it. I'm gonna give it some time to build up on the groundwork it's trying to lay out. I mean, I, I, I would love to just, like, it really enjoy one of the individual movies. I don't even need a bigger storyline at this point. Just, like, I'm waiting to enjoy one of the 
one of the individual ones. But that's it for us this week. We'll be back next week talking about more. Until then, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. Our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. If you want, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please rate and review Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you can do to contribute. We'd really appreciate it. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sutkus, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michel via Pixabay, logo designed by Nathan Seidel. 